Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week I wanted to try something out for the show that I've been thinking about doing for a long time. Such a long time, in fact, that it's become a bit of a redundant idea, but then I've kind of got used to being a redundant idea myself, so maybe it's also kind of a cathartic idea too. You see, a few years ago I thought it might be fun to try writing a kind of collector's guide to what might make up the perfect collection of television for anyone who's new to having an interest in this archive television stuff we talk about each week and give them a few hints and tips about what might be considered essential viewing in order to get through all of those awkward what do you mean you've never seen type conversations that can happen whenever new blood introduces themselves to someone who's been around the cathode ray tubes a few times. You know, the sort of thing, 50 TV shows to see before you die, or the truly outstanding must-see television shows to watch if you want to have any understanding of what this thing we call archive television is all about. So, it's about pointing people towards that collection of Dixon of Doc Green, or Zed Cars if they express an interest in police series, or Callan if they claim to like spy dramas, or I, Claudius, and Play for Today if they have any interest at all in television drama and aren't all that aware of the thousand and one great shows that happened before the century turned and which might still be influencing in some small but often huge way all of the television that's currently grabbing all of the attention and awards in the current climate. And it's not just about dramas, of course. There are whole areas of television that have their own equivalent crown jewels, those programmes that deserve to be thought of as the greatest ever examples of documentaries or light entertainment, the arts, sport, current affairs, or, well, whatever area of television that you might care to mention, and programmes that you really ought to seek out and try to see as you navigate this vast universe that we think of as old telly. Naturally, some people agree to disagree about what might be the best, and some classics make everyone's list. But if you are putting together a tick list of shows that you have seen, or shows that you might one day like to see, pretty much every fan of old telly will have a different opinion on what you should seek out. You will need to look at the shelves in some collector's houses to realise that each has their own idea of what might constitute an essential purchase. And this is where we get to the redundant idea part, because it's becoming increasingly unfashionable to collect physical media in an era of downloads and streaming, even though many, many archive TV fans will lament the fact that many of the streaming services don't really provide full access to a lot of the shows they'd like them to, and some of the sites that do offer a viewing opportunity for some of the rarer programmes often, if quite rightly, fall foul of the copyright infringement protection laws. Anyway, in this edition of Vision on Sound, I set out to begin finding out just what recommendations one or two of the regulars might make if asked to guide someone through putting together their idea of a perfect collection of examples of classic TV. And so, as I always seem to turn to him when experimenting with these ideas for new semi-regular editions of the show, I suggested to Paul Chandler, the shy yeti from the Shy Life podcast, that he might like to gather a few thoughts on what he might put together as his idea of the perfect TV comedy collection. As ever, taking this as our basic core conversation in the end didn't quite take us in the direction I'd expected, but I think it makes for a fascinating hour touring through certain areas of TV comedy history, and I hope you enjoy it. And of course, if we do inspire you to come up with your own list of great television collections, do feel free to get in touch, and I might end up chatting to you on a future edition of Vision on Sound. 
So let's get those Faber Radio International time engines warmed up and see what Paul and I had to say. Paul, how are you? Oh, I'm very good, thank you very much. Welcome back to the show. Now, today, weirdly, I had this theory today, uh, which has all fallen apart. I, was, I thought we would... My, my idea, in the in, initial idea of having this, was that I was going to do this thing of how... If you were trying to advise somebody on how to build a comedy collection, yeah. you know, a comedy DVD collection, a comedy Blu-ray collection, you know, how would you go about it? And then I realised, I keep getting people telling me that nobody buys blu-rays anymore or what <laughs> nobody buys uh, dvds anymore nobody likes physical media anymore but what i thought it might be interesting to do is take a, a bit of a what would be your tour through british comedy or what you would see as the comedy essentials or the things that you might consider that if you had a collection you would have had it on your shelf now i was going to take as a starting point because I like to give people a starting point. There was an assumption about 15 years ago that literally everybody in the country went out and bought The Office on DVD. It was the biggest selling DVD for several years and everything like that. And so I was assuming that if somebody was trying to build a comedy collection, we would start by saying they've definitely got The Office. Now, they might not have, but that was my starting point. So I, so I thought we'd take it from there, really. Now, that's kind of changed because... <laughs> things go out of fashion and everything like that and also uh, you could argue well maybe you should take that all-time comedy classic Faulty Towers as your starting point so if you were going out and you were going to get your first comedy DVD or your you know you're going to look at your first comedy program what would it be well I'd probably go for, t- for Hancock's Half Hour but mm. uh, but did you come to Hancock's Half Hour by a circuitous route of seeing other things I, I think it was just being repeated um Right. Well, I, sort of in that period in the early 80s when they were, were repeating it. And I, I don't yes. know if my dad said, oh, yeah, that's good, you should watch it, or or quite mm. how I found out about it. But uh, mm. I do find, as you say, quite a lot of uh, things sort of go out of fashion. Not necessarily, mm. I don't really care whether they go out of fashion in the wider concert, you know, out, out there, but I find no. I find they go, they certain things go out of fashion in my head and... and yeah, no, um, that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, we all can look at something a few years afterwards and go, ooh, that's a bit, you know. So, I mean, that's perfectly I, I was thinking, I mean, this is just a general starting point, but I was thinking possibly the 50s and the 60s have gone out of fashion less for me than maybe the 70s hmm. and some, well, some of the other decades since. I, or, or, or at least, um, I don't know. I think it's interesting. You could argue that the, the 50s stuff is actually because this so little of it survives... The stuff that has survived has got, you know, it's a strength to it, if you like. So it's it does kind of it's a timeless thing. I mean, even uh, Hancock's Half Hour and Hancock, mm. they they don't exist in their entirety, no, do no. they? There, there are gaps in in that in that archive. But for some reason, uh, <laughs> certainly those those later editions like the Blood Donor, they do seem, or the um, Radio Ham, they do seem to have. They kind of, they, they, the nation seems to have adopted them mm. at some point and never let go. I, I really. think, I think I've, um, ta- the older I get, I've taken on certain traits of, of Tony Hancock playing, well, how he plays himself in in Hancock's mm. half hour, or, or if not mm. in my real life, in my fictional life, because I, I like ah. to think that when I do my podcast, I, I sort of play 
myself slightly more pompous than I really. I like to take the Mickey yes. out of myself. I don't know that Tony. I, I don't know if Tony was taking the Mickey out of himself because he wasn't writing it. Um, mm. Gordon and Simpson might have been taking the Mickey out of him. I, I don't know how. I don't know how <laughs> different he was from his persona. But I, I you know, you hear all sorts of different. I, you know, I think mm. he, he, he probably there was a little bit of truth in in how it, how the character was. But um, but I, I I I enjoy taking the Mickey out of myself, and I I always think that count comes from. Lo- loving Tony um, Hancock and stuff, but uh, yeah, he was a, he was a troubled mm. troubled soul. I think that's fair to say yeah. he had he had his problems, and part of his problems to a certain extent were that he he, he wanted comedy to be more real. Mm. Uh, that was the thing, and he was always trying to strive for. And and of course, he did sort of lock the door or shut the door at least on on several of his collaborators, and in the pursuit of something. I mean, the early. Uh, TV shows with Kenneth Williams, for example, he kind of sidelined mm. Kenneth Williams, and Kenneth Williams went off and had a wonderful time with Round the Horn. So, so in, in many ways, that was a bonus for the rest of us. But I mean, that was a radio thing, yeah. obviously. But yeah. uh, another fifties, another fifties show that I've only recently really discovered, although obviously I knew it existed, was I mm. Love Lucy, and, mm. and, and I was laughing like a drain. I didn't realise how how much I was going to enjoy it because I, I can be a bit of a I can be a bit of a grumpy pants about black and white stuff these days, or mm. or sort of like not being that interested in black and white stuff, mm. which wasn't the case when I was young. I, it's it's the it's the reverse of how some people find it. With um, mm. I, I used to be fine with black and white, but I'm uh, I, I'm less these days oh, unless it's on film, um, and then I don't mind. Um, or I quite like it on film. There is a timelessness, I think, to. 50s comedy in the sense that it, perhaps the innocence of it means it hasn't dated because it's less offensive i mean i know in american comedy this this idea that the uh, the housewife that's what they did they had babies and cooked and, and waited for their man to get home from work now can seem a little bit dated although i know uh, lucy kind of subverted that in many ways but uh, i do find that something like for example the, uh, sergeant bilko or You'll never get rich, or whatever it gets. It's called. Also, has a kind of timeless. It's just fundamental, basic comedy. It's actually just funny in the same way that Laurel and Hardy can still be funny, if you well, like that well, sort well, of thing. Lucy, it's not like Lucy is punching down. Early. She is. Making, mm. She is the the joke, or her husband is the joke, or her friends are the joke. Mm. But they're they're characters that you 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 like, you like. and like yes. like the episode. Where she has to do the ad, the advertisement, and she's drinking mm. from the tonic, but the tonic's making her drunk, mm. and she's getting it. It's just, as you say, it's just basic comedy. It's just funny, mm. and it's not in the end. I mean, you could argue maybe that the audience you know, are laughing at her, not with her. But I, I suspect that's not true either. I think it's just a genuine, strong comedy performance when all said and done, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and quite a lot of slapstick as well, which is. Uh, mm. So what brought you to I Love Lucy? What? How did you discover that? Was that? kind of. I can't remember if I bought a, a, a set of like best of episodes. I mean, a lot. Of, I think if mm. a lot of not all of that exists, which is great. Mm. So I get I can explore more. I think I bought a sort of disc, but I think I I think mm. I already had the set and, and suddenly thought, oh well, I bought it with that and mm. then didn't play it immediately. Um, but what what drew you to it I, I, as, as a purchase? Think, I don't you know. know if it, I tried to think if it was literally just thinking I, I really ought to, or whether there was a, a sketch I'd seen and I thought, oh yeah, I really mm. ought to get at least the best of. It's probably yeah. like some, sometimes you you realise you're quite ignorant on certain really big things and um, yes. And so you'd you'd heard of it and and, uh, yeah, and, and you saw it was available and thought, oh, I've heard of that. I, I, yeah, I'm interested I was to new see it. Yeah, yeah. Of, 
I was new of her, but I just hadn't really got there. And I, as I do tend to like my female comics, mm. yeah, it did seem... But my mind can be quite sort of... It could have just been a little t- a tweet or a clip on, on Twitter that day that made me... Uh, mm. On something I'm down a, a, a rabbit hole watching clips on, on YouTube. Or um, I, I know that... I think it was in a Will and Grace episode, like when they um, they might have done a, a, a homage to I Love Lucy and recreated the right. sca- So I, I mean, I wasn't watching that, but that might have been something that popped up on my timeline, and I mm. uh, or comparing the two or something, and then suddenly you're down. As I say, you're suddenly down a rabbit hole of uh, watching bits on YouTube, and um, and then suddenly I can be on Amazon, and then suddenly yeah, that's. I mean, I. Myself, I, I can kind of just about remember uh, I Love Lucy used to turn up on BBC Two, I think, or, or late nights mm. on, uh, you know, for years, you know, in, into the colour era, mm. into the 70s, that it was one of those shows that was sort of on occasionally, or at least, I mean, I'd have been probably too young to massively appreciate it then, but I do remember it being part of the television landscape, mm. even in the, in the 70s. Uh, I know in the early days of... Channel 4 in the early 80s there was the quartet wasn't there there was um, the Adams Family the Munsters was it Mr Ed I, I never really I've got again I've got box sets of the Munsters and Adams mm. Family which I haven't really dug in too much yet but partly because I thought they'd no. be nice for sort of like you were saying, comfort TV for the. I, mm. I haven't gotten a connection with him properly yet, but I would. I would no. like to develop that if I got it. And mm. I, I, I don't, I don't think. I mean, those are also kind of supernaturally mm. inclined. Whereas Mister Ed, well, <laughs> I guess <laughs> there's something strange. It's a going talking on. horse. Yeah, talking Let's horse. be honest. It's a man who has a talking horse in a stable at the back of his house. But I don't think that ever appealed quite as much. Um, <laughs> well, but but it might again. It might be something. You know, the, um, well, I mean, I don't know. It can be. You do. You have. You have characters that talk. Yeah, so I mean, I it can be. It, it, well, well I've, I've said to you before, it could be a sixty-year-old show or a forty-year-old show. If it's, new, I, I'm always looking for new things that could be. You know, if it's old, it's still new. So, um, yes. I, I, there's always the potential. I'm far more interested in finding stuff I've not seen. That's that, if it's old, all the better, probably. I think the fourth of the quartet was the Beverly Hillbillies as well. Uh, we should have mentioned that before. Huh? We forget about yeah. it. We were Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Again. I mean, Beverly Hillbillies went, lasted so many years. I mean, it, it ended up in colour. You know, it was yeah. it ended up in the colour. I feel like I've, I, I've seen the title sequence quite a lot and then probably switched over. Mm. But I, I, I know that I've spent time on Wikipedia reading episode guides. Mm. I, I often do that for shows I have no intention of watching, but I'm quite interested to, to find out, oh, how many seasons is that show? Or how many... Um, yes. Wasn't there a show called, was it Petticoat Junction, which was along the same Petticoat lines or connected somehow into um, into the Beverly Hillbillies or characters crossed mm. over or something? And then, again, it's sort of it's the Wikipedia version of going down the YouTube mm. wormhole, uh, looking at different episode guides and who is, who is in it most and all that sort of thing. I think the um, certainly the, the Monsters and the Adams Family, I mean, they both lasted about two seasons, yeah, didn't they? They, they? they were both that kind of show... Mm. It's funny that they were both kind of created more or less the same time. They were both about a family who were really sort of horror images, horror uh, icons, if you like. And they both lasted about the same length and they both disappeared around the same time. But Beverly Hillbillies was, like I say, it was on for about, I think, 10 years. I mean, it just just went on forever. But there's another long-running American 
sitcom from that sort of era, which is slightly supernatural as well, which I know you're a fan of, and that's uh, Bewitched. Yeah, that was going to be one of my on my on my list. Uh, mm. uh, again, it, it it might it might be um, again partly an age thing, but I'm perhaps sort of coming full circle of, of, of I used to quite like those shows when I was younger. Uh, and then mm. perhaps you go into your 20s and 30s, you quite like the alternative and, and, and the more extreme yes. stuff. But now I'm kind of coming back around to, I'd much rather watch, you know, I mean, the thing about Bewitched is that it covers one of my favourite eras for, like, just like the fashions and the, and, and, and ah. the late 60s and, and, and into the 70s fashions. And, the, mm. and I love Elizabeth Montgomery uh, mm. and, and lots of the other members of the cast, the, the characters mm. that... I love Elizabeth Montgomery when she plays her hip and groovy cousin, mm. um, who I've forgotten her name of. But uh, mm. she's not. Um, it's not a cruel comedy, is it? No. That's the interesting thing about Bewitched. It's it's actually. I mean, I mean, no one gets burned at the stake or anything like that when it comes. When it's talking of witchcraft. It's not. It's not the dark arts or anything. But it's it's just a domestic sitcom with a twist. I, to a certain I think she extent. might. Have, I suppose a little bit like I Dream of Genie as well. It's the same kind I of. I think she might. I yeah. think she might have ended up in Salem in one of the later seasons. But uh, I don't think ah, it ever got okay. that that dark. But yeah, no. <laughs> it's probably com- comedy birdie on a stake or getting closer to a stake. But that's the spin-off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Although there, there was uh, the uh, it, it's. Not highly regarded. There was a Bewitched yes. spin-off, wasn't there? About ten years later, it was Tabitha. Tabitha. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, that was the the setup was basically the domestic mum and dad child mm. relatives. He wasn't he advertising. Yes, that's right, yeah. yes. Also appeals to me because there's lots of it. So that's the thing. Things like Forty Towers is so you, you watch it and then it's twelve episodes. It's gone. Whereas with with um, Bewitched, there's the characters you'll spend time well, with there's like 200 episodes like that, yes, or yeah. making 20 30 a year mm, wasn't there yes, yeah. there's enough meat on the bones for you to sit down and waste an entire month on a show if you yeah know. because before before sort of american tv settled on around um mm. seasons of 24 26 episodes they were going to sort of like 30 or or, th- or, mm. or 32 or something like that i think you know, even things like Lost in Space. I'm sh- pretty sure mm. the seasons are pushing the end to the high ends of the twenties. Yeah, and, and late Lost in Space does kind of come under the comedy <laughs> yeah. purview as well, doesn't yeah. it? To a extent. I had a friend uh, many, many years ago when when such things were not cool. Maintained because we were all being all terribly grown up and watching things like The Young Ones, uh, and he he maintained that there was more comedy. There was more laughs per minute in the average episode of Terry and June than in the young ones and this was you know when he was at an age when that really wasn't the way it was so I, I suspect what you were saying about Bewitched has got much the same vibe it's it's a cozy comedy it's not it's not trying to change the world it's just trying to fundamentally be funny uh, if you like and you also and this also applies to another show I wanted to mention mm-hmm. Get Smart in, in that Get some of the smart. comedy comes from, or a lot of the comedy comes from knowing the characters or the catchphrases oh, yes. or the things that they do and kind of always waiting. Oh, is, is it is it coming? Are they going to, you know, or... or uh, um, well, get, get Smart is from that, I mean, it's that peak 60s spies are really mm-hmm. trendy, isn't it? And that's like the comedy spy drama. Funnily enough, again, when we talked about Lost in Space turning into a comedy, to a certain extent, The Man from Uncle did a bit of that in its third year as well. It's, <laughs> it became... 
difficult to spoof things because they were starting to spoof themselves. Mm. But uh, but get smart, yeah. It's 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 a it's a tidy little show. Isn't uh, yeah, it? and and um, they showed they showed a lot of it on Channel mm. Four in the late eighties or early nineties. But uh, I, I'm trying to think: is this four, or five seasons? I I think it's five. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Channel Four, the last season was on a different network. So I guess when Channel Four bought it, they were, they only got a package of the first four mm. seasons. So I was always kind of annoyed at the time that I never got to see the fifth season, which mm. I've since been able to buy. And although I've seen some of the episodes, mm. again, sometimes when you really want something, and then when it comes, you're kind of oh, I was here now. Well, I've got other things to do, mm. so I haven't watched ah. all of season five. I've had it, but for years I was like, oh, I would have loved to have seen it back in the early nineties, but the the moment wasn't. Well, I've got it. Anyway. But the, the beauty of it is that you know you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, if I wanted to sort of stick a flag in the sand and say this is why physical media is is great, yeah. because quite a lot of things that things like these shows that you might want to see are are very much unavailable. I'm not, yeah, I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure where you get where you'd see Bewitched or get smart at the, at yeah. the moment, other than you know owning it, or maybe there's some episodes mm. that are on YouTube, but that's not the point. Um, there are some strange and dis, uh, uh, obscure. Mm. Not, not disturbing. It's strange and obscure channels that seem to be wall-to-wall certain shows. Yeah. And mm. if, if you go searching for them, but but it is quite difficult. Which used uh, to be on. Uh, I think it was it used to be on Sky when Sky was quite new. Oh right. Um, like, right. like thirty years ago, uh, and because yes. I think it had been on Channel Four, I probably had seen some of the Channel Channel Four repeats. But before I had mm. a video, but then I remember a friend of mine who had Sky or B BSB mm. or one of those things, um, doing me tapes of Bewitched in the early nineties right. because I didn't have it, but they did. So I did have some Bewitched on video. Mm. You used to better rely on your well, not that you can't rely on them now, but you, I remember. I remember <laughs> now it's easy to get hold of things because they're more available mostly. Um, mm. uh, well, on DVD if you still want to buy DVD, which I do. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you used to turn to friends to go. Oh, I know you have that channel. Mm. Can you like like? So you did turn to people and go. Oh, you've got access. To that. Would, would would you do that? Mm. Um, mostly they volunteer before you even had to ask. But uh, yes, um, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's actually that you've got this interest and people know you've got that interest. Then it's yeah. uh, it's sort of something that they will they well at least back in those days because like you say, not everybody had. Uh, all the channels we had. Yeah. As I say I spent many years with only we had three and a half channels when everybody else had five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I didn't get channel five till quite late. Um, so, a lot of that's American comedy. Are you more drawn to the American comedies? Do I don't think, think? think I. I don't think I necessarily used to be, but I think. Hmm. Um, yeah. Quite a few of them were shot on film, which yes. tended to mean they survived. I think that's the thing. They survived in large quantities. I mean, you you can absolutely adore a BBC sitcom from the mid-60s, but actually finding more than two or three episodes of it can be quite hard work, I think. Yeah. I'm also a big fan. I, I do love, uh, when it comes to American uh, comedy, I really do love M.A.S.H., and I quite like Seinfeld, and I quite like Little Larry Sanders' show, and they're all on my shelf, you know. But M.A.S.H. to me is a... Well, I mean, that's, again, it's a real... It's, what, 247 episodes? Yeah, I mean, I've had the box for about 10 years, and I've only got mm. through a, a couple of I really enjoyed it, mm. but it's... it's but it stopped. I mean, in some ways, that goes the opposite way. It, it becomes less mm. 
of a comedy and more of a, a comedy drama in its later season, which I mm. I enjoy. But uh, you know, I know that some people really want their mash funny. I mean, it's, it's interesting from a retail point of view how the one beauty of the having it on on disc is that you can switch off the laugh track. And uh, are you are you a fan of the laugh track, or does I, it does it bother you, or do you find it intrusive? I think, or? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of so so rare to uh, it's, it's more when you're watching. You know, the old old stuff that that you have to encounter. Mm. I, I remember on that mash disc, you can turn it on or off, which is, I think, mm. I might have turned it off just because I thought, well, I'll as as it's a new show to mm. me, I'll just mm. laugh when I want to laugh, sort of thing, and not feel I have mm. to laugh. Um, so, so I, yeah, I, I think you can tell that the show changes its mood because I think in the first few seasons the default is to have it switched on, mm. but you can switch it mm. off. And I think in the in the later seasons the default is to have it switched off, but you can switch it yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because BBC Two used to show Mash without the laugh mm. track. That was quite a thing. Occasionally, I think occasionally one used to slip through the net and there'd be sort of letters to the Radio Times <laughs> or, or or points of view or something. How very dare mm. you! But actually, I find MASH with the laugh track really disconcerting. Mm. And occasionally when you go to... Because uh, there are channels that have it on a loop forever. Mm. And they, they seem... Their default position is to put it with the, with the laughs on. And I find I find that more... I, no, I have to go and get the discs off the shelf if you see. It, I, I can't. I don't know why. I mean, you would think that being prompted to... To, you know, you're laughing along with them. I mean, I know there are some audiences on on light entertainment shows where where somebody sort of hoots <sighs> and it, it actually becomes noticeable from the uh, from the performers. But uh, I don't know. I, I I've never I I've never seen any need to to have other people's laughter mm. on on a, on a comedy. I mean, I know for a lot of the American shows, you don't have the choice. So, but uh, but sometimes I think the interesting thing is when it's electronic, when it's obviously not recorded in front of a live studio audience and it's just somebody switching laughs on when they think it's funny mm. or, or or when the scriptwriters told them it's funny. It can be disconcerting when you think, what on earth are they finding so funny at that point? I, I mean, comedy's a very personal I, thing I, anyway, obviously. Yeah, I think... I, I do think I do have this sort of wish to see stuff I've not seen. And, and I think mm. going back to the... You know, I think when I was younger, I would mainly have seen... Well, those ones that we've talked about that were repeated a lot in the 80s, mm. but then generally I would have been watching UK shows. But then, yes. um, but now I'm kind of like, well, what about all those other American shows that I've never seen? Things like mm. the Mary Tyler Moore show and Maud. And, yes. and I've got the odd disc here and there, but again, it's the, yeah. the time to... Uh, I have seen you know a few, and I, I know I would around. enjoy it. It's just a matter of finding the time... Um, uh, well, there's a wonderful thing, isn't there? This is like these stepping stones. Uh, Rhoda being a spin-off of Mary Tyler Bond, but also Lou Grant being a serious drama yeah. series that spun off from a comedy. Yeah. And uh, you get things like Happy Days in the 70s, don't you, which had various spin-offs, Vernon Shirley, and yeah. uh, was it Joni Loves Chachi, and all this kind yeah. of thing. And all these various, this sort of network of shows sort of creeping out and creeping out. And, and it was, I think it was a Mary Tyler Moore show where Betty White, was in it, but she was a nasty, horrible character, mm. and of course, she mm. younger younger viewers only know Betty White as being a sort of cuddly grandma type character. Um, <laughs> but she was like the 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 a bit a bit of a, 
a hussy, I think, in Mary Tyler Moore. I think, I, I think the other thing about uh, Mary Tyler Moore show, though, is how... Um, because, I mean, Mary Tyler Moore had famously been on the Dick Van Dyke show, hadn't mm. she, beforehand? Mm. But that idea of the independent woman in that era of American television is is quite fascinating, really. It, it you know, because it just was so rare, you know, that she she actually went to work and had a job and was an independent, you know. I, I think that I think that appeals. I mean, another one that's a bit like that, which even, I think even predates Mary Tyler Moore, is that girl, which I I, I mm. did I did, I'd never heard of that show until about two years ago or something. I did okay. not know about it. I think. Um, I'd heard it mentioned on some of the American podcasts, I, but then I just mm. it's one of those things that all of it is on Prime, uh, and, and mm. I started wat- watching it, and I I did get through two or three seasons of that, and I, and that's mm. gen- that's gentle, but it's it's funny, and you kind of and it, it is a bit like as you as you've mm. asked me before, it, it it's not a comfort sort of comfort TV without it being nostalgia mm. comfort, just just sort of you know you're going to watch. And it's going to be you. It's going to be quite cuddly to watch. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's the characters you get to know them. And, 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 and have you seen any of the famous ones like the Honeymooners? Or no, no. But I, I know. No. I know Archie Bunker and things. Yeah, like that. I know. I know the names. And I know the. But I've mm. never seen those ones. Um, and there's of course the the long tradition of police comedies, which includes Car Fifty Four, which causes Fred. Gwyn mm. and and Al Lewis, of course, who went off to the monsters. Didn't then there's, there's shows that I've discovered in the last five years, mm. which were, which are old, but they're new. That I would, you know, think things that I probably wouldn't have put in my list of recommendations mm. twenty, thirty years ago. I recently, or relatively recently, saw George and Mildred, and and loved loved ah, George and Mildred. Okay. But I'd never paid any attention, or you know, probably in the nineties when I was watching. Programs yes. from that time, I would have been watching things like like uh, Rising Damp or Porridge or the famous ones. But I almost feel like you, you might have thought that one was a bit cheesy. Yeah, a bit enough, a bit and, and, uh, your mum and dad's tale. Um, to a I, I I don't even th- I don't know that they watch ITV much, so probably not even right. their TV. But but no. yeah, a bit of a sort of oh you know ITV. Well, ITV comedies mm. can get a bit of a bad rap anyway. Um, uh, well, I mean, the, I mean, you know, Rising Damp is possibly seen as a high point but there i mean there were there were several weren't there i mean i say i mean man about the house spun off didn't it to and robin's yeah. nest and georgian yeah in, in terms of 60s british comedy though were you a, a monty python fan at all uh, i i yeah um i was in the 90s and i'm not mm. saying that i w- wouldn't enjoy it now but i haven't really mm. watched a lot i mean because I wouldn't have said, is it something that's on your shelf? Yes, Monty yes, but I, yes. I, I, I don't think I've ever watched every single episode. But, uh, right, but not just just again because I've got far too much and not enough time, mm. and mm. and it's not like I don't watch it now because I watched it so much in mm. the nineties. But my interest was probably, uh, I, 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 I'm sort of interested in, you know, Michael Palin's. Like his travel logs and things like that so you know mm. you kind of go off from oh i, I, mm. I yeah you, you start with but it's something like ripping yarns float your boat for example yeah but again i haven't watched watched it for a long time and i can't mm. definitely say i've seen every single i know there aren't that many episodes but i no. can't definitely say i've seen every single one but i i yeah. but does your clicking buying finger say when when they announce 
I don't know, there's going to be a new version or a new release of Do Not Adjust Your Set or something. Would would you, would you be there buying? No, I probably the wouldn't, wouldn't no. now. Um, only because I'm a bit grumpy and don't watch as much comedy <laughs> as I used to. Well, yes, I did. Uh, personally, I, I quite liked Veep and I, I found mm. that when Trump got into power, I just couldn't enjoy Veep anymore because real life was far, far. The, the the stuff that they were satirizing it suddenly seemed to be happening. Well, I I used to like in the again in the nineties or noughties I used to like I used to like South Park and Simpsons, right? And even Family Guy. But I mean a lot of the cartoon ones. I used to like Family Guy when they were a series that was always threatened to be axed, which I think is the first right. three or four seasons, and then suddenly right. they 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 were axed for good, and then they came back, and I feel like their ego went up a, a million percent yeah. and they stopped being as funny and they just thought, thought that, oh, well, now, now we're never going to get acts because we're on this well, now, And now we're going to be deliberately shocking. Yeah. I must admit that every so often when we're surfing the channels at the at the end of the day, because it's pretty much on, is it ITV3? Mm. One, one of the ITVs of an evening quite, uh, at nine o'clock tends to be uh, Family Guy and, and we do tend to get drawn in still. I, mean, I still think Stewie is a, it's an incredible yeah. character. But uh, we we get drawn in, and then we both t- sort of look at each other and go, "Should we be laughing at this?" Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> some some of the stuff is a little bit close a, to the bone. A, a friend recently extent. got relatively recently got me into Rick and Morty, and um, oh, okay. I've seen quite a few episodes. But then I discovered that there was that season five was coming out on DVD, and Netflix only mm. had it up to. So to impress my friend, I I kind of got the fifth season and so I could go oh, look right. I've got something you haven't got and I'm watching it at the moment and it's almost too it's almost too much the the shock right. it, it's it, I wasn't I don't think I've ever watched a whole season in a row um so no. I didn't realize that every episode is is trying to be there doesn't seem to be a, a quieter every episode is like 110 percent shocking yeah. um and, and, and it almost gets a bit tiring when okay Right. It, it is interesting that I, I remember being at a party uh, in the 80s when somebody announced that he had all of the young ones on tape mm. and it was like two in the morning, everybody was a bit gone, you know, mm. but he put this tape on in, in this room where there were lots of people and we all, f- there was this sort of general sense that it was too nihilistic, mm. it was too much. We got about three episodes in, and everybody was just going, "No, I can't. I can't take another one. I can't yeah. take another one. It's yeah. just too. There's too much of that shouting, angry stuff." Or, or the, I mean, now it's or, different, but although the more recent stuff I've watched and enjoyed, uh, Shit's Creek, I enjoyed, but I haven't. I haven't mm. seen all of it yet. I was about halfway through the series. I enjoy, I enjoyed that because I like. Well, a lot of the people in that are from are from those. The films like Best of Show and all that, um, mm. which I like those those films. And the comedy is similar to that. It's, it, it... There's a there's a likability to it. It's funny. I we had two goes at Shit's Creek because we we tried it and thought it's not for us. We don't like these characters. Mm. And then people kept telling us, oh no, it's really it's really worth sticking with it. And then we went back and then we just shot through it in about three weeks. Yeah. The whole you know seven yeah. seasons or whatever it is. We absolutely rattled through it because once you clicked with it. I think they were characters you wanted to spend time with, and they were, and it wasn't, it wasn't cruel in the way that some comedy can be. I'm quite fascinated these days by how much comedy is cartoon. Mm-hmm. You know, 
cartoon characters, if you like. I mean, uh, again, we got pointed at Bob's Burgers, mm. and I just think Bob's Burgers is it is wonderful. I've, I've not seen it, but I know um, I know other people who said think oh, I know who like it. Uh, I didn't think I'd like it at all. You know, it's it's one of those things that it was put on, and I'm thinking, oh, grump grump, sit in the corner, do something else, <laughs> and I got drawn into yeah. it. And I just after you know two or three episodes, I thought, yep, I, I want to spend time with these with these characters. But there's an awful lot of Archer is another one. Mm. I mean, Archer, which is on Netflix, isn't it now? It's that spy thing, and it's very, very near the knuckle. But when they did their tribute at the, you know, the end of the most recent series, because obviously, what's her name died. I didn't even realise that Archer was a a cartoon series. I don't think that's how bad, how little I know about it. I think I thought it was a live action thing. <laughs> Probably confusing it with one of those superhero shows. Yeah, sorry, Jessica Walter, that's it. When Jessica Walter died, you know, they, they did such a, a wonderful tribute at the end of it. And it was really quite moving. And, and Bojack Horseman's another one that I thought, oh, I'm going to hate this. And, we, and again, it's, it's, I, I suspect that because of where they're made and where they're broadcast, they are allowed to go beyond the edge, mm. if you like. But actually, when you start to watch them as a whole, they, they can become quite poignant shows, mm. you know. I mean, it's, again, it's fascinating because um, Jessica Walter was in another show that we discovered on Netflix last year, which was uh, Arrested Development, mm. which we'd not taken to, you know, over a long time. But there's been quite a few shows. I mean, we, again, I mean, we can thank lockdown for this to a certain extent, but we piled through the American version of The Office, you know. Yeah. And again, in the course of a month and a half or something, it was just, it, was, it becomes... A compulsion to a certain extent but of course the beauty of those shows are that they have like you say that quantity i mean we have british classics like black adder and there are what 28 of them or something not even that i think i saw the i saw the first season of american office i think i got well, i think it was when back when it was relatively new and i quite liked it but i never mm. really came back to it and i recently saw mm. some episodes at a friend's house and i mm. i kind of thought they were okay but they didn't make me well, I mean, technically, I probably got access to them on Netflix or something anyway if I w want to see them. But uh, uh, I think they are different in the sense that the British version of the office, the original version of the office, is twelve or fourteen episodes, and each one is a sort of standalone. Mm. But it, you know, it actually works as a, as a comic thing. The American Office, because of you know, an individual episode might actually not be that funny, but the the overall. Mm, yeah once you sort of follow a season through you actually get the running storyline and it starts to make more sense comedically a, a couple of friends i have like it's always sunny in philadelphia which i don't know how well that's mm. known o over here probably by probably really well by a lot of pe people but um that's one of those shows where the, the characters are all awful and but deliberately but I, mm. I i have seen some episodes when i first saw it i enjoyed it but I went back to it in another friend's house and saw some later episodes because mm. it's one of those ones that's gone gone on for like, I don't know, 12, 13, 14 seasons. Mm. And, and they're still being relentlessly awful. And mm. and I almost sort of, you know, I think I went around a friend's house and we watched quite a few in a row and I was like, oh, mm. so my eye starts to twitch. So it's too, this mm. is just too, they're just too awful. They need to be killed by a meteor now, please. Um, <laughs> but... but uh, uh, but in terms of the comedies that you have on your shelf, I mean, do you have any 
British comedy. Oh yeah, I haven't, I I mean, haven't things like about it. it was in the eighties and nineties when I was still at school. Mm. It was all about the Friday night comedy shows and yeah. Um, but three, I, I mentioned three. You're, you're a Vic and Bob fan. Um, sort of I remember when people who were like about five years older than me, i.e., my sci-fi friends like uh, Andrew yeah. um, uh, yeah. and people like that, when they when they were when Vic and Bob started. They were really into it, and and mm. I didn't not get it, but mm. I didn't quite see what they found. So, oh, I liked, I don't know. There was a, there was like a man with hazelnuts all over his face or something. I don't know. Right. Um, I, I like the weird, weird, the very weird stuff. But I didn't actually necessarily think mm. it was hundred percent funny, or mm. it felt very much like if we all sat around and did something surreal, mm. we could be doing the same thing. I didn't necessarily feel there was mm. talent, that much talent involved. But I no. think it's just that I was, I don't know. Obviously, you know, I I, I grew grew to like them more. But I was very keen on uh, people like Fry and Laurie, um, mm. sketch shows, or like Smith and mm. Jones. But, yes. um, but even more so, and still, to, I don't really watch... Though them now was it was it Saturday Night Live? Did we have a? Well, I can't remember. We did have something, of, but I didn't tend to Friday Live or something. Yeah, something like that. Ben Elton, the, the things that Harry Enfield uh, turned ben, up. Ben, ben Elton. Elton. I didn't necessarily watch the sort those sorts of. I did used to. I mean, I used to go to comedy shows like live comedy yes. shows again in the sort of late nineties and noughties. Uh, mm. But the, what, was that famous? comedians or just yeah i i um eddie is arden i don't think he was almost like when you think of it in terms of music bands i used i used Mm. to go to music bands but i never i'd never go i'd never go and see like the really big bands because you can never afford for Mm. you might like the music but they were a bit too big i like i like to go to i I like to go to medium venue medium-sized venue comedy gigs in the Mm. same way as i like to go to medium-sized venue music gigs but Mm. but yeah i mean the ones I used to watch from that period, which I still would go back to, uh, would be Victoria Wood. Um, right. And as seen on TV. As, as seen on TV. I never liked Dinner Ladies quite as much as some people did. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, as, I, I like the sketches. I like the series she did of, where she did sort of six different um, standalone stories. They, right. yeah. I watched them again relatively recently and found they still stood mm-hmm. up really well i mean a lot of it is julie walters uh mm. it's it's just it's victoria woods writing and uh, yeah uh, but it's julie walters that takes it up up there uh, you know i can i can just you know the what the one one soup another soup sketch i can just it's, it's sort of just make, makes me cry with laughing and that now my, my mum will come into the room now she's older than she was um mm. and she'll bring in the food and she'll sort of attend, tend to do the julie mm. walters thing uh where she's sort of nearly tipping the soup on the floor just to make yeah. me laugh but mm. uh, <laughs> um but but would you say sometimes comedy is about timing literally i mean it's, it's like you you might find a show so you you, you like uh, as seen on tv but you're less keen on dinner ladies because you've got a bit older or you're just doing different things and what, what, how bit, are you about it, well i think this was a little bit more cozy than the sketches but mm. and it was like another 10 years on so she had che- would have yes. changed um but equally so well, i mean sorry. things like the classics like dad's army or um 
Only Fools and Horses or um, uh, One Foot in the Grave? I mean, are, are they things that you look back on fondly or, or were, you, were you just out and you didn't really follow I, them? I, I probably saw the odd episode of... of, of um, I, I don't know that... I don't know that I was ever a big Only Fools and Horses fan. I probably have seen mm. some episodes. Uh, Dad's Army. I had to. I had a period where I kind of. Um, I went for a stage. I can't remember. If it was, I think it was when videos. That sort of around the time of the videos into DVD thing. I I yeah. bought quite a lot of Dad's Army because I didn't really know that much in in. Um, and and I and I enjoyed it, and I had a peer, I think I even went and visited the the location, not not mm. coincidentally almost, but uh, mm. uh, on a holiday with a friend. Um, and I, so I had a period where I was quite interested, but then I, I think the there was that turnover. I so suddenly the videos weren't. I, I bought the. I should have waited a year or two and got into them when when DVDs came along. Um, Mm. Because I'd never replaced my videos, so my no. my interest w- was burgeoning, but then kind of got distracted by other things. And um, yeah. uh, but uh, but I mean, of the style of show like Dad's Army, I mean, did you also like it? Ain't half hot, Mum. Did you also like Hello Hello? And you know, well, or are you being served? Or was it just that? If you like one, you I, like them all, uh, or, or are you more selective? I don't think, I don't think I was just old enough to really watch them when they were. I don't. I definitely didn't have any connection with Ain't Half Hot Mum, although I vaguely, mm. I'd sort of aware of the characters, so maybe it was on in the background. Mm. Um, are you being served? I've dabbled in, and I own the whole set, mm. but haven't watched much mm. of it. Mm. But you see, there are other shows, aren't there? Is the shows that are like more more surreal, like sort of Father Ted, as opposed to. Last the summer wine. If you see, I, I mean, I know, I know they're two to put together. I mean, would would you appreciate both, or do you feel that people who like one probably wouldn't like the other? Well, going back very quickly to a low, a low. I I hadn't, mm. I didn't really watch it at the time, but then we got a box set, and I started to watch right. it. Mm. And, and so, so I've kind of come to appreciate it more and enjoyed it, although I haven't seen it to the end mm. yet. Last the summer wine. I had a period when we used to watch that as a family. Uh, yes. Would have prob- so do you think there's a kind of nostalgia because you remember watching it as a family and it was? You I know, you don't think it. I ever. I don't. I don't. I did. The only thing I've ever bought of Last Summer Wine was a box set of the first two or three seasons because right. I didn't. Know, I didn't. I, I was interested to see what it was like. The the period when I watched it on TV was probably sort of mid to late eighties. Uh, yes, I, I, that's kind of when it was having the Christmas specials and was quite yeah, big in the They always seem to be going down the hill in a bathtub or something like that. Um, <laughs> I, I did watch it. I feel like I watched it. It happens more rarely than you'd yes, think. Yes, I, I, I feel like I watched it when maybe before, during and slightly after the, when the school teacher character came in. Um, oh, Seymour. Seymour came. Yes. I definitely sort of watched that sort of... I think I watched it before... He was in it, and then I watched it when he was in it. But he was only in it mm. for two or three seasons, I think, wasn't he? So, mm. And um, that sort of takes it up to sort of a little while before I went to university. So uh, a lot of these things sort of drop off when I went to university because we didn't have mm. communal TVs. Uh, mm. um, but when it comes to obviously uh, Roy Clark also wrote Open All Hours, didn't mm. he? I mean, would would you have watched Open All yeah. Hours knowing, in the knowledge that he'd, he'd written both? Yeah, I'm not sure if I knew. I did watch 
did watch Open Hours and enjoyed that. I used to do a pretty good arc mate impression when I was at school. Um, hmm. Well, I thought I did. I was the only one doing it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a lot of stammering. Um, and, and, and I think I watched Keeping Up Appearances. I hmm. I was a big, again, going back to sketch shows, I, I, was, uh, I was a big French and Saunders fan. Hmm. Uh, Victoria Wood and French and Saunders. Fab. Um, Less so ab fab to be honest. Oh, right. um, okay. I know, I know. I have a friend. I have a friend who is also a big um, French and Saunders fan. He mm. he loves uh, absolutely fabulous. And I know a lot of people. Mm. I, and I don't dislike it, but I think mm. Jenna Lumley, she's so embedded in my brain as either Purdy or Sapphire right. that I don't. I don't. I want her to do more of those. I like her. Right. I like her doing. Okay. There was a. Oh, I've forgotten what it was called. Now. There's a show that she did in the early '90s around the time she was doing absolutely fabulous, uh, okay. where, where it's sort of like a one of those comedy dramas, a bit like a minder right. or sort of thing. Uh, and I like I liked that she was actually having to she could be be funny, but also right. had to do the acting as well. I mean, I mean, yes. relatively serious. You know, she couldn't go right over the top, no. but she was able to yeah. as Patsy, but. Um, well, I was just thinking in terms of because you know you were saying earlier that you really like the strong female mm. characters, and of course things like the Vicar of Dibley came along as well, as well as French and Swords yeah. and, and those kinds of things. Are, are you drawn to those shows as I well? I never or, watched. Or, I never watched Vicar of Dibley. I think that might have been in that period where I didn't really have much TV. But I mean, obviously, I could have watched it since. It's never a hundred percent because I also used. To, I did used to watch Dawn French in. Murder Most Horrid, which was her sort of right. Uh, yes, uh, I don't. I don't think sometimes. I, I think they're better at doing sketches, and I don't think either of their yeah, acting okay. is no. amazing. Um, I, I, it's it's. Are, are you very... generally still because there's quite a lot of sketch shows like Big Train as well, aren't you? I mean, what is the sketch show something that you you're going back all the way in if you like to Monty Python? Yeah. Is is the sketch show something that you still appreciate enjoy? I mean, there's very I, are there still sketches? Were you a fan of the Fast Show? For no, example? but again, I think that fell into the period where I wasn't. I used to I like Slap the Pony. Um, oh right. Which, yeah. That might have, might have been because that was more female orientated. But mm. I mean, also I think that was slightly earlier than the Fast Show. But I think the Fast Show fell into that period mm. where I didn't have a TV. Yeah. Another show that I must mention because um, it, it's, I think it's underrated mm. and it's a big favourite in my household is um, After Henry. Uh, ah which, yes, which, yes. Um, another very female centric show, but yes. also gives me my. I like Prunella Scales quota without having because mm. like, I don't. I obviously I like like to win Forty Towers, but I don't really go back to Forty mm. Towers now. Uh, and, mm. and it and it's nice. And, and mm. there's a lot going on in After Henry, and it's it's a lot mm. more. It's a lot less cuddly than you you think. There's a lot going on. It's also. Yes. Uh, it was put. It was having a conversation recently. It, it's actually a character where there was a in the eighties where there was a, a gay character in a in a happy gay relationship. Who runs yes. a bookshop, and that, and it's not ever referred to in any negative way, or mm. or there's it, and they and they didn't all end up dead. No, yes. exactly, <laughs> and, and, and so that that makes it, and, and and of course it came it came from radio originally. Yes, and yes. And, and it uh, you know it it uh, um, 
you know, there's a lot I haven't still. Mm. I, I own it all. I think I want it only all the radio version somewhere. Mm. But there's a lot to there's a lot for me to still see and watch and, and listen to. But, uh, um, but you're also a, a, a you're a science fiction fan. Were you were you into Red Dwarf at all? Something like that. Red Dwarf. I, a classic. I I hesitate to say I hate Red Dwarf. But I kind of hate Red Dwarf. No, I don't. No, no, it's I, fine. I, You're allowed to. I, I mean, it's all I, right. Well, I resented it at the time because it was because and pe- some people I know who liked it, who mm. were my sort of like same age group at, at school. I mm. was thinking they've just got this show and they got rid of Doctor Who and they think that they can. This is good <laughs> enough. This is good enough replacement. Ah. Uh, so I really right. presented it from that reason. I really okay. hated it because all the characters were horrible and they were all egomaniacs. Um, right. And it was very alpha. And I yes. I, I just really... And, and then they were into... I, what I used to do is watch Red Dwarf because I wanted to be able to say I'd seen it, not just, oh, I hate Red Dwarf. Right. So I used to watch it. So I watched a lot of Red Dwarf. And mm. I, I don't know if... I don't know if there are any episodes I do did a free show, but I was always no, no. It I think really wound to be up. honest, it's actually yeah. I, again, the the whole idea of of trendy comedies is is quite fascinating, isn't it? You know, you watched it because your mates watched it, and watched it because everybody you knew was watching it. You want to you, being part of that conversation the next day. The you know, did you see X, Y, or Z? Actually, was a big part of the popularity of some of these shows. I mean, again, we go back to. Uh, Something like Blackadder. I mean, Blackadder was enormous, but if you hadn't seen it, mm. you 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 literally had no one to talk to <laughs> uh, for about a week. You know, and I mean, are you okay with things like catchphrases and stuff? I mean, were you you're not one of these folk who would sit there quoting lines from shows? But, well, well, I'll answer that in two parts. Firstly, ah. um, <laughs> my, my, my friend, my friend Harry and I used to have. The sketchbooks of Victoria Wood, I think maybe mm. f- maybe Fine Laurie, yes, um, French sort of Victoria Wood area, and we we'd sit in this small there was this small little li- in sixth form there was a, a small library which barely anyone went into it was there was mm. a big library but there was this little room we used to we just used to sit there and we used to take different parts and and and, and so yeah we 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 did do quote um, we did do quotes mm. as as for catchphrases I. I'm thinking of, I always think back to Get Smart because there were so many, which was, right. there, there were so many catchphrases in Get Smart. Um, uh, so sometimes catchphrases can be very irritating, but if you like the show enough, then they don't irritate yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but, um, and in terms of TV comedy, modern TV comedy, do you feel there's anything at the moment that appeals to you? Is, well, there, is there a comedy that you're drawn to? I, I, on at the I, just the other day I watched all of the second season of a show called Mandy, uh, uh-huh. which, okay. which um, I've forgotten the name of the actress, but she's in loads of things. Mm. She's in a lot of Charlie Brooker things. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but each of the episodes is only 15 minutes, so which is unusual, but they do pack in a lot. And I was mm. I just watched all six episodes in a row because, because it just went so quickly. But there was some... I was surprised, because this was the second series, and it had... Mm. It feel like they'd moved. The, it was always ridiculous situations, but mm. uh, but you know, in the first season, she might have bought you know those fish that eat skin off people, but she bought piranhas and silly things like that. Yeah. 
but in the second series is is like going up into space and and uh, and cryogenics so they really yeah. kind of raised up the ridiculousness but people like Alexis Sale were popping up and I was thinking right. gosh I haven't seen Alexis Sale for, for years but he's doing you know it's not even a it's not even a half an hour program it's a 15 no. minute but there were quite a lot of people you were like oh <laughs> I haven't seen them for a long time people turning up a bit so it felt like They've raised their game a bit. It's interesting, really, because we uh, switched on a channel sort of slightly at random uh, a few months ago and found a, a, I think it's an Australian spoof of Murder, She Wrote. Mm. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. But, and, and, and that, again, they were 10, 15-minute episodes. And, and it's it's been interesting, that development of the short, snappy comedy. Mm-hmm. It does seem to because I think it found its way on you know BBC Three to a certain extent, especially when BBC Three was not a TV channel anymore, but was kind of something you had to watch on the internet. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the ten-minute show becomes a more marketable, sort of small packages of television or comedy that you can do. But uh, in in many ways, that short, snappy—I mean, it's the sketch show by any other name, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's just long sketches. The- Another recent show that I, I got into mm. during lockdown, which I, I didn't know anything about really, was Motherland, and I, I, do, right. I do, okay. do really like that. That's suitably silly, yeah. and, and and that that's got the lady who's in who's the main character in Mandy as well, right. but as one of the, the characters. But that's kind of you know lots of different characters, mm. and and the the, the the school situation. So in in terms of of the shows that are actually on your shelf now watched or unwatched have we have we covered most of them is there or is there any more that you've, you've there's a few that have a there's a few that i've bought that uh, i haven't got around to um yeah. i mean things like i because I, I could sort of bring up things like spaced if you like yeah you know, i used to love space and it's not that i don't love it now but i haven't watched it for mm. 20 years probably mm. but i mean it's again yeah very precisely that's, it's a weird thing isn't it but i, I suppose really what i as, as we sort of get to the end of this i one, I, I realise that there are many of the shows that we've mentioned in the last hour that you could come back on and talk about for an entire hour and you'd be very <laughs> welcome to do so. So uh, so bear that in mind, yeah. you might get asked for that. Yeah. But also, yeah. if if there was just, you know, if for the rest of time you could only watch one comedy, what would it be, do you think? Probably Victoria would on TV. Right. Um, Acorn because Ant- it covers so many things. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and a- spoof documentary. A- yeah. Acorn Antiques is is the nearest thing I have to a Bible. I think uh, <laughs> uh, you know that, that everything I learned about life. Well, I mean, my 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 adventures into TV in the nineties with with my Sutton Park series was. It was totally inspired by my love of Acorn Antiques, the the bad well, doing bad TV, but of course it my thing became its own thing, and and it took yeah. and it stopped being about stopped being a deliberate attempt at bad TV and became something else. But but initially that's what inspired a lot of my creative projects in the nineties. <laughs> uh, well, that's not a bad legacy for a, for a comedy show, is it? Thank you very much for your time today, Paul. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Yeah, good to speak to you. You take care. Bye for now. Many thanks to Paul Chandler, the Shy Yeti, for his thoughts. They're all very insightful stuff, I thought, and I hope it's inspired you to seek out and watch a few of those shows and maybe start putting together your own list of favourites. And if you feel like sharing those thoughts with our listeners, do get in touch via at VisionOnSound1 on Twitter. As ever, Paul can be heard on the Shy Life podcast, which is highly recommended and is well worth seeking out. 
So that's it for another edition of Vision on Sound. Once again, I must say a big thank you as ever to the good people here at Fab Radio International for everything that they do to make the show possible. And as always, thank you all for listening. As ever, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.